if you don't care, if you treat your account as a whole anyways, then Performance Max can do really well. Or the people who, who still today clinging on to, to, to control with audience, uh, audience targeting, um, what do you call it? Demographic targeting, stateside targeting, not using any broad match, not using any phrase match, not using any dynamic search ads. Performance Max will increase your exposure and it will perform better than what you have today, meaning it will produce more revenue at a better ROAS. But you could have gotten that with you could have gotten that with a proper setup, anyways. However, if you're not at a, if you don't know these things, and if you're not at a proper size where you can pay somebody to do it, Performance Max is actually the best thing that ever happened to Google. Please don't take that as a thing and put it on Twitter because that's going to be an issue for me. Hello, and welcome to another episode of PPC Town Hall. My name is Fred Valles. I'm your host. I'm also one of the co-founders and the CEO at Optimizer. So today we're going to talk about that topic that nobody seems to be getting enough of. Um, and maybe some people do get enough of it, but uh, that's why those people aren't watching. But we're going to talk today about Performance Max, the new campaign type from Google that's not so new anymore, but we still keep learning about it every day. As Google is automating more and more of what we used to do, how do we get the best results? And so we have two amazing experts who are going to join us today to talk about the B2B and the B2C angles and how to make Performance Max drive the best results for you. Or maybe we'll find out that it doesn't actually drive results. So should be a great episode. Thanks for joining. And let's get rolling with PPC Town Hall. All right, my two experts here today, Andrew and Menachem. Both of them have been on the show before. Both of them have talked about Performance Max before. It's great to have them back after a couple of months here. Uh, you know, some of the episodes that you guys did were some of the most watched and most popular we've had so far. So, Menachem, welcome back. How are things going? Things are going pretty well. Um, we're, we're always learning something new about Performance Max. I feel like um, Andrew mentioned this on Twitter. Performance Max seems to be like no matter how much you talk about it, people are, are dying for more knowledge. And there seems to be many, many different ways to, to kind of run a campaign and find success or, or like you mentioned, realize it doesn't work for a certain account. Okay. And uh, yeah, you've done some great posts on Search Engine Land, so we'll cover all of that. Uh, Andrew, yeah, that, that, I think you said it was your most popular tweet of the year was about the thing that shouldn't be as popular as it was, but uh, how are it's, things going with you? stupid. So I think one of the things that, that, that we continue to learn, and that is that the, 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 the general like, perspective on Performance Max is it's, it's really appealing to like, everybody, like agencies and in-house. And, and me, as somebody who puts a lot of pride in what we do, I'm, I'm scared that there's so many people who just want to go, yeah, let's just put it on one campaign and run away from it. Um, and I've really tried this year to like put some thoughts in. As I have, I have an article coming out on why I think this is such a big issue uh, and when it actually applies. Because we, like the way that we've looked at Performance Max this, this quarter is just we can't see it do what it says it does. Like this whole like... Yes, it does search and shopping, but this whole spiel with all of us having to put a lot of stuff, a lot of videos in there, a lot of images in there, and like just we, we just haven't seen that produce any solid results for any of the ones that we've actually run. 
um, at any like significant scale. Uh, so, so I think it's, I think that's, that, that continues to be an interesting point for me where like, does performance max do what we think it's supposed to do uh, with all the things that, yeah, it says in terms of the video and display side. Interesting, interesting. So yeah, you might be uh, playing bad cop here in Menach and maybe good cop. We'll, we'll see how that goes. <clears throat> um, <laughs> but to give listeners and viewers a little bit more perspective, uh, Menachem, remind people what you what you want B two B B two C. Like, who do you mostly work we, with? We do we do a good mix of both. Um, so on on the B two C side, a lot of e commerce. B two B, a lot of lead gen. And and I think like to Andrew's point, Performance Max is is meant to be an all in one campaign, but it, it's really not as simple as you would think it is. It's a very complicated campaign type. And it, it doesn't just work if you just set it up and go. It does require that, that deeper strategy. Okay. So still no set it and forget it in PPC, which means all of you watching today, managing PPC accounts, your jobs are safer at least a, at least a little while longer. Uh, and Andrew, uh, what's your business mostly looking at? We uh, we we are 100% uh, direct to uh, like uh, business to consumer B2C e-commerce. Um, I like to say we have a we have a mix of the old-fashioned e-commerce model of selling a bunch of different brands, um, and then we have another half that's the D2C, uh, just single product, the Caspers, the Park, Warby Parkers of the world. Not that yet that we have those two, but that, that's kind of the, the the two different types that we work with the most. Right. So um, yeah, let's uh, let's start and maybe Andrew on the e-com side. We'll start with you. But with Q4 now behind us, um, you know, Q4 is always like a big quarter. There's you know specific dates when the sales pick up. Uh, how did Performance Max do with that fluctuation and that big quarter? Did it drive results, or were you still kind of relying on uh, traditional shopping campaigns? So, so, so the way that we've, so the way we structure a lot of campaigns is so we, I would say that, that half of what we do is performance max and half is standard shopping across the board on the, on the 40 different advertisers we work with. And on the ones that were running like performance max, it more or less performed just like we would, we, we saw smart shopping perform. Uh, in the past, um, there was a little bit more fighting on on what search actually ended up in Performance Max and what didn't. Um, we we tend to be proponents of uh, of running the shopping only Performance Max model, um, just because the, the way that we typically run search uh, and shopping for that matter is 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 about getting as many insights as possible and and, and treating every single keyword as a finite resources of finite resource of revenue. So if we see that a, that a core keyword doesn't perform very well, we, we, we want to find a way to make it perform. Um, so lumping everything into one campaign doesn't doesn't work well for the way that we typically work. Uh, with that being said, we obviously, we we work in a lot of different countries in Europe uh, where we, we will utilize a, a full-on performance max setup just because launching in, let's say you're in Germany and, and the UK and then launching in the Netherlands, France and uh, Spain, you can't manage it all. So in, in those countries, we'll always add like just a full-on performance max campaign. And the, the way that we've seen it is that it tends to work just like every other campaign in Google. It really feels like it's just uh, it's just a DSA with a smart shopping combined together. I have I haven't yet seen any like true impact 
or true evidence that Performance Max has some algorithms that smart bidding doesn't have access to, or that it correlates this product, this URL in shopping with these search terms. So these needs to work together in search. Like, like that, that, that thing that I think could be the coolest thing ever to happen to search. I don't think the correlation is there yet, at least from what, what we've seen. Um, so we, we still feel like that, that the biggest learning we've had in Q4 is that Performance Max, whether or not you treat it as a shopping and DSA combined, or you treat it as just a shopping campaign, can perform really well, uh, but treat it like you've always treated smart shopping and other things in terms of campaign overrides with seasonality bid adjustments and stuff like that. Menachem, what, uh, what have you seen? Yeah, so we, we've seen similar to, to Andrew. It definitely can perform really well. It can scale really well, uh, like Black Friday, looking at, you know, stark increases day over day, week over week. It really can perform well. But, you know, we we have very similar setups where most of the clients that are selling their own branded private label product, like direct-to-consumer, those are the ones where we'll also add creative assets. We'll take the top performing creative from the Facebook side and layer it on top. We do see that that can work well, um, but I think it has to have a solid base of data behind it from the search and shopping component of it. So it really has to understand who the consumer is. But otherwise, like for the, for the clients that we serve that are selling, you know, products from hundreds of other brands, those we typically tend to lean more towards the smart shopping style. But also with a healthy mix of standard shopping, we ideally, especially for larger accounts, don't like to run pure performance max. We like to layer on search shopping and, and other campaign types as well. Right. So I think obviously a bigger advertiser is going to use all the traditional campaign types and then performance max may be one of the layers. So I, I don't think there's often a discussion of like, which should we just do Pmax? Even Google doesn't recommend just Pmax, right? It says... This is in addition to your search and display campaigns. Um, yeah, I, mean, I don't is, think is they recommend that yet, but they likely will <laughs> recommend that at some point. So, so you think they will actually start recommending just do Pmax? I think, I mean, so for smaller advertisers, we do do that. Like with limited budgets, it's sometimes it can work better. Um, but it, it's meant to be an all-in-one <clears throat> and hit all the placements. It's just right. you lose a lot of insight. You lose a lot of control you're sort of feeding it. Yeah, are, and let's are... also qualify then for a minute what it means to perform better, right? So if you're not going to measure any level of detail, if you're not going to have time to do optimizations that are based right. off of those insights, then sure, fine, whatever. Put all my brand, my remarketing, all the cheap stuff, put it together with the expensive stuff, and you give me some sort of output at the end where nobody knows where it came from, but it looks cheap. Right. Um, because Google may be... Yeah, we, we have like, I had a great example. We ran, we ran like, we took over an account uh, last summer where they were running Performance Max. And August, we went in and, and, and I think it's a DTC brand in the, uh, it's a DTC brand, really narrow space. There wasn't like, the, the account hadn't really gone anywhere. So it's just, there was a couple of brand campaigns, eight different agencies had tried eight different things the last 10 years. Nothing had really worked. Um, all of a sudden, they, were, they, they launched Performance Max right before we started, and they're like, we really love it, but now we want to scale it. And the more I looked into it, all that happened in Performance Max was that it was branded search. That's all it was. Um, like, there was like $500 out of a $10,000 monthly spend that went to the shopping uh, setup, right? 
Um, so when we went in and I then went in and I moved, the, uh, I changed everything over standard shopping, did some <laughs> old fashioned keyword split because that's what we've seen work pretty well with getting something locked and like, so we don't spread our data way too thin. Um, and I had the director of growth go in and just, just, just reactivate the performance max campaigns after a couple of months and specifically write the campaign name, do not change Andrew. <laughs> and I went like, no, 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 no. Like, why did you do that? And he was like, no, they're performing super well. I spoke to the CEO and we all agreed that we should continue to run this. And I was like, Somebody missed what I told you guys two months ago. So I explained how it all worked again. And that's that's kind of like my, my pet peeve with this whole thing is that you can look like it can look like it's performing really well. And sometimes it's it's just taking in the branded search. Sometimes it's taking in high performing search queries from your regular campaign. Sometimes it's it's taking in uh, like a, again some some things on the shopping side. It's, it's very I've rarely seen that it's a retargeting issue uh, in this day and age. Uh, it's, it's more like search intent that keeps be taken over, uh, and that's really where where I like to pull in the, the different differentiator. There is saying if you don't care, if you treat your account as a whole, anyways, then performance max can do really well. Or the people who who still today clinging on to 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 control with audience uh, audience targeting um what do you call it demographic targeting state side targeting not using any broad match not using any phrase match not using any dynamic search ads performance max will increase your exposure and it will perform better than what you have today meaning it will produce more revenue at a better ROAS. but you could have gotten that with you could have gotten that with a proper setup anyways however if you're not at the if you don't know these things and if you're not at a proper size where you can pay somebody to do it Performance Max is actually the best thing that ever happened to Google. Please don't take that as a thing and put it on Twitter because that's going to be an issue for me. I mean, and how unfair is this, right? So if you're an agency and you like do all this advanced structure and then the client's like calling you out and being like, well, how much of this is being driven by brand? And like, how much are you hijacking my SEO efforts by like using remarketing? And then you put Pmax in, and it's like, oh my god, technology, AI—it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Like Google's doing amazing, and it's like, no, you should be asking it the same questions and putting it to the same standards, right? Um, but Andrew, you sort of brought up a great point, and I'd love to hear from Menachem on this. If you make the argument like, should we just get the best results from the account? Like, why is that not a good thing? Like, how do you argue to a client that? there is something better than just like this one campaign that gets pretty good results. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. From my perspective, it's like, yeah, it can get pretty good results, but it, it won't necessarily get pretty good results. And if, if you hire an agency that specializes in it, you'll likely get better results. Um, I've seen many cases where performance max was just set up with a basic shopping feed or whatever, and they're missing the fundamentals, like the audience signal to guide it to who it should show it to, the, the proper titles, descriptions, or taxonomy in the data feed. So the system doesn't really understand what you're selling. At the end of the day, it's just cycling through clicks and money and not driving revenue. So it, it could work, but it could also fail miserably. And so it, you kind of right. need something more. And I mean, it's one of the angles here that if you have one performance max campaign and you set it to a target return on ad spend, that's kind of like average for your whole business. Like, is it okay to sell a bunch of socks at a loss and that's made up for by the TVs that you sell at a profit? Like, is that cool? Because yeah, sure, that's going to maximize your revenue. And for the people not watching but listening, like I see Andrew shaking his head. So 
Andrew, what do you think? No, and it's like it's a, it's 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 like it's one of those things. Like it's it 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 sounds fine in in in, in the. It sounds fine. It's not that big of a deal, but the problem with like so you have a high margin product and a low margin product running on the same ROAS target. You're never competing on like I just I just did an audit on this yesterday. You you're not competing like your high margin product is not competing because the high margin product that you have might be if that's like that's not all you sell. So some of your competitors that's all they sell and they know what their margin is. So they'll set the lower ROAS target for their for, uh, for the exact same product or the same, same exact same category. So you can't you you're you're at a disadvantage right there. And you're overpaying for 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 sale for transactions or for revenue on the lower margin side. So just there, you have an issue with doing that. That can be easily fixed by just either running profit bidding or just splitting up your performance max campaigns. The, the bigger issue with lumping it all together is is something we've seen with with brand bidding and smart bidding. Uh, so if you have a branded term, you just put smart bidding on it and you put it at a 500% ROAS. It's not gonna stop bidding when it like if it's at two thousand percent ROAS, it's gonna continue bidding higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. And we we've just routinely taken, especially in-house accounts, and just gone like, hey, let's push your let's push your brand in terms of manual bidding, uh, and that's the that's the, the, the and, and then it just reduces the CPC greatly. And it's the same thing that happens inside of Performance Max. So when you have a bunch of like branded terms and stuff like that, they will overpay for your highest performing search terms. Uh, sometimes it's not a big problem, but for especially for high volume uh, accounts, right. that can be an issue. And so this is all an auction, right? Second price auction. So why would someone overpay on the brands if you keep raising the bid? Uh, explain that a little bit. Oh, so that's, that's, that's a, it's a very, very good question. It took me a long time to be able to explain in a simple manner. And part of it is your brand term in and of itself isn't bit that high. So let's say optimizer. Optimizer, just optimizer, is not that expensive to run on. But optimizer PPC tool, that you can potentially buy. I don't know what it is, but let's say you can buy it for $5 per click at the lowest and you still get into four, a decent CTR, decent traffic. But let's say you have a super high ROAS on that. And Google will then say, hey, our smart brand will say, let's that needs to be a bit much higher. So we're trying to get it in. So Google or smart bidding will bid that into the top one position. So it will start competing against PPC optimization tool, which I guess will have 20, 30, 40, $50 CPCs. Mm -hmm. And that's where that will then pull your overall brand uh, spend exceedingly high. Like uh, your brand combined with Trustpilot has hundred dollars CPC is ridiculous if if you if you set it that high and it's it's that's where it will pull out a lot a lot a lot of money exactly and then I guess that gets us back into the whole discussion of having a little bit more control being able to maybe set some targets based on return on ad spend based on internal business goals that we have whereas if you just right. say like here's the brand and bid it to any degree yeah. that you want it just captures yeah, we everything we take a very similar approach for branded campaigns because like it has a different business goal for branded keywords. Your goal is to make sure they don't land on a competitor website and you lose the sale. And so if you cap, if your ad shows up hundred percent of the time you you've done, that's your business goal. So we like either manual CPC or target impression share for that. 
Um, but but to Andrew's point is like once once you reach ninety percent, one hundred percent of your your pure brand keyword, if you're on target ROAS or smart bidding, the system will keep trying to get more, and it will start to veer away from your actual brand towards those other keywords, and it, it has a different business goal. And then in performance, and yeah, Andrew, and even 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 if it doesn't do like just just to expand on that. And that's where again, it's not a performance max issue. This is this this is a, this is just as much a brand versus non-brand issue. Like again, if if you're a branded term that you that that it lets run at a two thousand percent ROAS and it lets generic run at a hundred percent ROAS and it kind of balances it out for the naked eye, that means you're hitting a two hundred thousand dollar revenue a month at a at, at your target ROAS, but you're they. they you're not paying. You're not. You're not being profitable on the generic aspect you're, like that that you're having. Right. All of your brand, which you have built up there. I, as a marketer, no, let me rephrase that. Me, as a PPC marketer, can take zero credit for your branded uh, for your branded uh, terms. There's nothing like. And I know some of the people on my team argue against that, but as a whole, there are some gray areas. But as a whole, I can't take any credit whatsoever. So if I pay 200, like if I have a 200% ROAS on a generic term and it's unprofitable, but I have a 2000% ROAS on my branded term, that doesn't even out. Again, there's some gray area and some attribution and stuff like that. But as a whole, that doesn't even out. So I don't want Google, I don't want smart bidding. And I'm trying to be very hard to say, to not say Google, because I think that's a whole smart bidding does this, where it tries to even it out and it shouldn't. It's two different entities. All right. So, yeah, Andrew, that's super interesting. Um, let's talk a little bit about attribution, which is one thing you talked about, right? So how do you figure out that your brand keyword is going across all these other searches? And, uh, and then there's also the big conversation about negative keywords in Performance Max, which you can ask your rep to put in. Uh, but Menachem, any, any thoughts on attribution and negative keywords? Yeah, I mean, as, as far as attribution, I mean, we typically optimize campaigns based on the in-platform, the Google Ads attribution. Um, we like data-driven because it, it attributes revenue across multiple touch points from Google Ads. Um, within Performance Max campaigns, blocking brand search, again, it's something that varies. Like the typical answer, it depends. For, for really small accounts, I don't like to bother with it because it's another signal the system kind of needs. But as you get bigger and you're spending more, especially when there is a lot more brand search volume, you really want to make sure that they get segmented because otherwise, like Andrew mentioned, you're you're paying a much higher cost per click than you need to to capture the brand search. And, and you'd rather focus that budget on, on new customer acquisition at, at a more profitable level. So negative brand keywords, yes or no? Depends. Depends. Okay, Andrew? Yes. Yes. I agree uh, it depends, but if, if, if anybody needs a, a clear answer, then, then, then yes. just yes. But there are, definitely, negative... there are definitely cases where it doesn't matter. <laughs> And the one thing I would just tell you is that by blocking uh, negative brand ma uh, brand keywords from Performance Max, aside from launching a branch uh, a search campaign, you also need to launch a shopping campaign so that your your ads show up on the shopping listings as well. Because otherwise, if you just exclude from Performance Max and launch search, you, you'll be missing out the shopping placement for branded keywords. Right. Uh, negative generic keywords in Pmax, yes or no? And I know it depends, but I don't like to do much um, unless we see something clearly is off base. But I don't really like to. So I've heard some people say that now. putting negatives 
Like, let's talk about negative keywords. Um, negative keywords are much more specific than positive keywords, right? So they tend to, like, if you put negative flowers, that means that if the word flowers appears in the search, that's when it becomes excluded. If somebody puts roses in the search, that is a broad match to flowers. But as a negative, it does it's not negative right. broad. It's negative exact, by and large, right? They might right. be plural, singulars. But it's it's got to be pretty close. So, like, does that seem to work differently in Pmax? Like, are we limiting the system too much from exploring and finding things by putting in generic negative keywords? Like, I, I think I think if, if if you're going to the Pmax route, then like I have this whole thing. Like, I, I love different people doing different things in in, in PPC, and. With Pmax, if you do A, you have to do B, and you have to do C. If you do Pmax, you have to do smart bidding. You have to stop doing negative keywords. Like, like it's like you've you've chosen a route. Commit, because you don't you don't get the search term data. Even I even feel like overall negative keywords is not that valuable anymore. But again, it depends. Mm -hmm. But if you if you do performance max, don't do negative keywords. It's like it like there's no need to. You can't see the data per se anyway, so you end up guessing and. If you're guessing for negative keywords, that can hurt a lot more than you think because you, right. you don't see if you have accidentally added, let's say, flowers uh, for a flower delivery company and you forgot to put it as a as an exact match negative because that's what you're used to doing. And so like, you, you can hurt a lot more than you than you do, than you think. In my opinion. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. Also, because with Performance Max, it should on its own with smart bidding, if it doesn't hit your goals, it should automatically stop serving for whatever traffic it is. So if it sends traffic for flowers and it doesn't convert, it should just stop on its own. Right. And the big question is always like how long until it learns and it decides that it's statistically significant before it stops spending another thousand right. dollars towards that keyword. Right. And then, and then yeah, ultimately, like if, I think if, this if is you, also if you look at it. Well, I was going to say, this is the frustration that people have, right? It's like, yes, at the end of the day, this this campaign type gives you good enough performance. But like, how often does it go down a rabbit hole of trying something that you could have said, like, yeah, we didn't need to spend a thousand dollars to learn that. I already could have told you that. Right. So I think that's the tricky part with scaling performance, Max. As you increase the budget, it looks for new keywords, new audiences, new places to show your ads. And then it kind of goes through that learning phase. Typically, when they're in a stable place, spending similar amounts on a daily basis, I find that it doesn't do as much of that once it finds its groove. And did you find that to be a problem in Q4 when like the budgets typically get raised? Um, not as much because conversion rates are increased then search volume is increased then. So like you have the room to spend more. Um, so you're so basically you're increasing the budget to capture more of the same that's now available, but you don't yeah, have to go searching for new stuff. Exactly. That makes sense. Hey, let's shift the conversation here to uh, a little bit more, uh, lead gen. I guess we've talked a lot about e-commerce. Now, one thing that I always find curious is like, uh, if you're in lead gen, people think, oh, I shouldn't do target return on ad spend. I shouldn't be value-based bidding. Um, do you have a take on that? And like, are, are is lead gen actually kind of more similar to, uh, e-commerce than people think? I think it is because ultimately the closer the system gets to your business profitability, the better job it can do. Like, for example, if you go use target um, customer acquisition, target CPA, you're telling the system you'll pay X amount of dollars for every lead. But the system doesn't know the difference between 
crappy leads, good leads, you know, sales qualified, uh, just spam form fills, whatever it is. And so if you can use value-based bidding with target ROAS, it'll definitely work better. Um, and th there's a lot of ways to get there, but basically you want to feed the system on what does a good lead look like? Somebody you can actually sell your product or service to. If you can give it that data, target ROAS can work really well. I totally agree. So how, what do you do? <laughs> sure. So, I mean, at a very basic level, um, if you don't have your sales data coming into Google Ads, you can basically score the different lead types. Um, maybe phone calls are worth more than form submissions or, or, or chats. Um, but in an ideal world, you want to connect your, your CRM. If you use Salesforce or HubSpot, there's, there's built-in integrations where you can, uh, as a lead progresses through your, your sales pipeline, you can give it different values or different conversion actions in Google Ads and, and bid towards that. If you don't have Salesforce or HubSpot, you can use a tool like Zapier to connect. And basically, as let's say you collect a lead, you spoke to them on the phone. So now it's like a, a sales qualified lead. You can mark that as a milestone, as a conversion in Google Ads. And then as the lead progresses, you, you can assign different values or real sales value. Once you close a deal, you can pipe that data back into Google Ads and tell it, you know, this lead turned into $1,000 in revenue. And then it'll use that for target ROAS-based bidding. Right. Important question. Is it Zapier or Zapier? I always say Zapier, but honestly, who knows? I don't know. Uh, I, I'm Zapier. listening to this other great podcast, and it's it's about company names that people mispronounce. And I actually also don't know what the right one is. So if anyone knows, love to hear. Um, no, but so that makes total sense, right? So you're saying basically too many companies, they look at the conversion event as the form being filled out on the page. That's the lead. And then it sort of stops at that point. Now, you did talk about... So as you start capturing this into your CRM, you have two options. You can either create new conversion actions as the lead progresses down the funnel, or you can restate the existing lead um, and update its value, or you can even retract uh, conversion Correct. using OCI and OCT. Like, do you have a preference between creating more conversion actions or restating an existing yeah. one? So I, I like to create additional actions. So this way you can actually vis visualize it in Google Ads. You can put in different columns or segment your conversion so you can see how, how many uh, leads progress through the funnel through the different steps and assign the values there. Um, and definitely a good idea to negate the, the poor leads so the system doesn't keep going after those types. Okay, of, when you say negate, you mean like retract sort of like say yeah. that no longer? Yeah, okay. Um, what, what sort of timeframes um, <clears throat> do you typically use? So, so I've heard from Google that really the changes made in two to three days of the original conversion. That is what the machine learning prefers, pays most attention to. Now, that's kind of counter to what Google then says, which is you have 90 days to right. uh, import an OCI, and you have 55 days to restate something on a transaction ID. So is it completely meaningless to do things at day 85? Um, I don't think it's completely meaningless. We still do it. Um, we like to send as much data as possible. Obviously, the the more transaction volume you're dealing with, the better it'll do. Um, you know, if you only have a few leads, it's much harder for the system. But once you, you have a lot of data, it's much easier. Um, but we just try to send as much data as possible. And Andrew, what does that look like on your side? Uh, you know, I know maybe a little bit more e-commerce, but like lifetime value. And, and is that something you play with or like, returns, refunds, accounting for shipping costs. Like, because ultimately what we're talking about here is communicating a correct and realistic value to Google, conversion value. Um, 
What does that look like in your business? So the, 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 um, it varies from industry to industry. Uh, apparel, you have, to, you have to somehow measure in returns. Um, some some countries, especially if if like certain countries in Europe, like Germany, can have up to sixty percent returns. So you need it built into the system somehow. Uh, other than that, I, like our go-to is is the profit-based bidding. Um, simply just getting the profit from each transaction, so you you get it right then and there. Um, so most of the systems that work with that will also you can also do some kind of returns or uh, canceled orders. Overall, we see it's, it's less it's less of an issue with e-commerce, though. Uh, if you get the profit uh, part uh, included, that's really the, that's really the biggest thing for anyone who sells products that have very various margins. If you don't have very like variant margins, it doesn't matter that much. And and I'm good friends with Frederick, who runs one of these companies, and he hates when I say it, but. That's like if Frederick you have different margins, is the is yeah. If if he like different margins is the best thing in the world. You can't live without it. We've tried turning it off, turning it on on accounts. It's just it's the best thing in the world. Uh, but if if you're selling a mattress, you have sixty percent margin on that mattress. Getting the profit in doesn't really matter yeah. that. Um, and then in in your sort of line of business, so you're saying reporting the profit of the sale. That's an instantaneous process uh what about returns would you after 30 days like retract the conversion if it was fully returned or still restate the value or is there sort of a cutoff point at which you find the machine just doesn't care what happens after day x well what we, we have a tough time actually like completely actualizing what the impact is but like i'll, I'll make it a little bit what you've been told like it, it, it is supposed to know that if you constantly have take and negate 20% of the conversions after 30 days, it should take that into account moving forward until it gets other data. So if, if there is a lack of negated conversions in the last 30 days, but the 30 days prior to that, there were 20% negated, it will still work based off saying, hey, it's expecting the negated conversions to come right to, to so you're saying that it's actually yeah. starting to build prediction models from sort of your late feedback so it now says oh on day one of this conversion happening i'm just i have to expect it's going to be a 20 percent decrease in value because usually andrew reports that's 20 percent decline after 30 days uh, i'm really curious from you right i, th I think in lead gen one of the biggest problems is like, how do you figure out quickly what is the value of a, of a lead? I mean, if this is a six month sales cycle, yeah. we're now way past what you can tell Google. So, but you still want to communicate something like, have you found a good way to predict this or do you just yeah. use like actual yeah, values? So I think that's where like the different funnel steps come into play. Like we, we do work across a lot of different industries, but I think legal is the biggest one where you might not see a settlement or, or revenue from it for like 12 to 18 months. And so what we measure is just the progression of, you know, from that initial contact form submission or phone call, does it turn into the next step in the funnel and the next step in the funnel? Um, obviously, with, with lead gen campaigns that turn over much faster, a shorter sales cycle, it's less of a problem. But if we can score it, like, you know, give a score of, of 10, 20, 30, 40 to each step in the funnel, even if it's still far away from, you know, the end sale, that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, the next topic that I'd love to talk about is uh, audiences. 
uh, the so performance max campaigns, obviously you can attach audiences to it. One of them being your existing customers so that you can have a focus on new customer acquisition. Uh, but what, what is your strategy and what have you seen working with audiences? Uh, Menachem, let's start with you. Sure, sure. So typically I don't like to run any performance max without an audience signal. Um, again, it's not true targeting. It's really just telling the system, like, this is who I believe my customer is. Um, so we like to start with, uh, you know, attaching your existing customer list also so you can do new customer acquisition, but additionally so that it can target similar people. And then we, we try to find like the top converting search terms, build an audience around that, um, certain interests, demographics, layer on whatever you can, um, and, and whatever other first party data you have, email lists, lead lists, you know, things, things of that nature can really help a lot too. And, and so when you say it helps a lot, um, I mean, what? It, it kind of kickstarts it faster or pushes it in a different direction. Like for brand new performance max, we've seen that it could take like four to six weeks to really hit its stride. So putting strong audience signals help it get in front of the right consumer faster, especially with um, lead gen, um, but also with e-commerce. And like also if you find that you're not getting the performance you need, switching out the audience signals it, it's again, it's just a signal, but it pushes the system in a different direction, can help you reach the right consumers faster. Uh, have you found any, and Andrew, this for you, but Google is so big on like, oh my God, this new campaign type has all these amazing insights that you don't get in traditional campaigns. Like, have any of these insights amongst them audiences helped you actually discover something that you were able to do something with? Uh, it's definitely interesting data. I think it's similar to what we see like in, in Google Analytics, like they show a lot of underlying audience data similar to that. Um, does help push you in another direction. You go like, oh, I didn't realize these kind of people would be interested in our product or our service. So definitely is helpful for sure. No, like I'm, 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 I'm more pessimistic on audiences than any, than like, then, and it's more because like this, like I just feel like there's maybe it's because of the, the types of accounts we work with um, that like they, they, for the general search and shopping perspective, people are searching for the product, whether like they just are and like whether or not they're in a luxury segment or a newspaper read segment. So I guess if, if you have already existing accounts where all this learning has already taken taken place, that's where I feel like the, the value of audiences for the regular overall search and shopping efforts are, are not as impactful as I would want them to be. I, I, I still feel like that audience overlap when you go in and you look at the audience manager and you, like, you can see what audiences your conversions actually, like your converted users what audiences they appear in and sometimes you're like wow that would be amazing i'll take this like as like a 12x index on newspaper readers so you put in newspaper readers in your regular campaigns you go like yeah nothing happened and i, I always get i always get disappointed and i think like i spoke to um what is a uh, little a big a i always forget his name aaron aaron Levy. from tenuity yeah, I spoke to him at Berlin uh, about this as well, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." He also went back and forth on it, but but underlined like where, where they had seen a ton of success, and then we see kind of the same thing is like the broader searches, the more generic searches, right. the ones you couldn't touch before. Layering them with audiences, that's where it starts becoming becoming powerful, and that's where I can also see okay, maybe Pmax can actually 
utilize that to like branch out to like searches that it wouldn't normally be able to perform on uh, to, to actually generate a return on uh, by doing that because that's what we see in the regular search and shopping campaigns we're able to do uh, but as, as a whole I'm, I'm I always get disappointed with with audiences like I feel but like I there was that, I feel Google could do so much more yeah <laughs> but I think that's a good point because the the more you are in the core search and shopping the less the audience really matters because you have the keyword intent but as you move towards broader keywords, but I think where Performance Max finds audience useful is when you take your top performing creative from like Facebook and Instagram ads and run that in Performance Max. So it's less about around keywords, more around display. That's where the audience signals can really help a lot more to help it find the right consumer. All right. So Makes. some people like it, some people don't. Uh, as with everything, it will want it to be more. <laughs> yeah. It depends. Um, good. Final topic is asset groups. Uh, how do you like to run asset groups in your performance max campaigns? Do you use a lot of them? Very few. Um, Menachem, I heard you say that sometimes you get these insights about uh, maybe a new audience that you didn't expect that's actually really interested in your product. Does that lead to more asset groups with different creatives? What's um, the strategy around all of that? Yeah, I mean, we typically tend to build campaigns and asset groups or even in, in standard search and shopping ad groups around product categories or, or product, you know, specific product services or categories. Um, it's very similar in performance max to that end. I think the only time we would really segment the same product or service into multiple asset groups with different audience signals, if we believe that there needs to be very different messaging around it. Um, but otherwise, it's typically around the product or service. Yeah, around products or service makes sense. And then obviously, you put in the different creatives based on what that product or service is. Correct. Yeah. Andrew. Same. Like it's 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 a it's a it's a, it's a category brand or or some kind of creative push. Like, and then I always say this, don't overcomplicate it if you're not gonna create different creatives. So don't like, right. don't create an asset group for Nike and another one for Adidas and another one for, for Reebok if you're gonna write save 70% anyways in all three. Like, right. it, like and we see it all the time. Like people just overcomplicating setups uh, and then not actually using that complication to more granular structure for anything really so right. yeah. do it as complicated as you need to to serve your creative purposes like and, right. and targets and stuff like that i agree with that 100 percent. yeah structure has to be driven by business needs not just like because you think you can beat the machine at doing something by just yeah there was also an interesting thread on twitter recently about um the conversion data that's used by machine learning is all triggered off of, or the predictive mechanisms look at the conversion action, and the conversion action tends to live either at the MCC, the account, or the campaign level. And it's all the data from that goes into the conversion. So it doesn't really matter how many asset groups or ad groups you have. Right. All of it feeds to, like, does this thing convert or not? And then it's, it's like, does that conversion correlate to a certain query? Does it correlate to a specific audience? And that's where it starts to feed and learn. Uh, but you can't beat the machine by adding more levels of granularity. Uh, but I see Andrew wagging his finger. So, yeah, because that's 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 one thing that that we've like really changed our mind on, or I've changed my mind on the last six months. Because like, 
responsive search ads has been ha has been killing us a little bit because the 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 way that 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 the more I look into it, the more it appears that the more data you push into a responsive search ad, the more it will use conversions instead of just CTR and impressions to define what is a good good converting asset. And that has really made us just go like, yeah. So our goal for the future is not to structure campaigns based on how we like to structure them. It's about how much traffic can we push into a single responsive search ad while still having the ad still make sense. Right. Um, so you're saying, that's that's right. something we're testing at the moment, and that's like we're hoping we're seeing some initial good results. Uh, but it's going to be really interesting to see if, if that actually. So, so if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying flatten your structure and reduce your complexity to get as much impressions through a single RSA, which then consolidates conversions. If you yep. were to use the same RSA across multiple ad groups, are you testing whether that builds up enough volume for it to learn? We've tried that in the past, and we just don't we, we don't see a we don't see a direct correlation between the different mm -hmm. RSAs. Some sometimes sometimes there's a correlation, but it's it's more been like an accident that the same that the same assets actually perform the best in the same in the different ones uh, than than anything really. And it's like one of our biggest things is because like if if I put in a safe seventy percent in any asset in any responsive search ad, that's going to get the number one impressions. And that's not the one that converts the best. I know like from all the last 10 years on expanded text ads, we know that's not the case in all cases, but it will always have the highest CTR. So, so the more it pushes like a message that has a high CTR, and I know you and I differ on that, Fred, about whether or not an ad should actually cause a conversion or it should cause a click. Um, I'm in the heavy camp that it should cause a conversion. Um, so, so the more, again, the more we drive into a single responsive search ad, then we feel it will focus more on conversions. Yeah, yeah not, I don't know where you think I fall on this, but like obviously the, I think the ad should cause the click with a probability of converting down the line, but that's the landing page's job, right? Um, yeah, your, your support uh, in your support staff in, in, uh, in, in Optimizer says the same thing. Um, so. <laughs> well, I've trained them well. I'm a big proponent for simplicity over complexity. We try to use as few campaigns as possible while still supporting the, the overall business structure. Like there's got to be a good case for it, you know, separate budget, separate goal, separate, separate whatever, um, but not just to overcomplicate it. I feel like people do that. They, they create complexity for no reason, and it's much harder for the algorithm or the, the smart bidding to have enough data in, within each subset. But it was so okay. pretty. When we used to do it, it was so pretty. We could have like, we could have Nike shirts, we could have Nike short sleeve shirts, we have Nike yeah. long sleeve shirts, and all the URLs fixed to the right places, and we showed the keyword in the ad, and it was so pretty. And yesterday, was I was two days ago, I was I was doing a coaching call, and I just I looked at the account, and I was like, yeah, we're just gonna go like this, and we just shrink like yeah. eighty different ad groups into ten, and just like. We need more data and in, in individual ad groups. So yeah, I've, I've learned not to fight the system. I've learned not to fight progress. You take the tools we have today and just make it work the best we can. Exactly. And then hopefully it still comes down to like, listen, if you have a business reason, like different product margins, or you have to allocate different budgets to different things throughout different seasons, like that's why you add complexity right. and structure to uh, have access to that. But 
you know, and I, I am scared of a world where everything becomes super flat. And uh, again, but that's what we're hearing. Like Performance Max, you could technically run one campaign. It would seem like it's producing good results. But when you ask, start asking questions like, is it really doing that? And that's right. that's the big question. And, uh, you know, thank you both for kind of like weighing in on this. And I think we're, uh, we're going to have to do another episode as we all continue to learn uh, what really happens. So uh, I'd love to... Uh, final thoughts from each of you or just where people can find you. Um, um, Menachem, I know you write for Search Engine Land. Great posts on their own performance. Max, Andrew, I love your uh, periodic emails I get in my inbox and the blog posts you do um, as well. So tell people where to find you and how to follow up. Andrew, let's go with you first. Oh, I think uh, I think the, the, the biggest thing is um, so I'm Big on Twitter. If so, I'll I'll be a lot more Andrew on Twitter, and I'll be corporate Andrew on LinkedIn. I'm both places. One is a lot cleaner than the other. Um, the more clients we get from Twitter, the more clean my Twitter will be. But I hope we won't get that many clients from from Twitter, so I can continue being myself there a lot more, a lot more sassy uh, than anything really. Um, so a lot more a lot more honest takes on on Twitter than on LinkedIn. But other than that, I just wanted like one final note on on the whole performance max thing. Is like I just I really think it's it's just important that people treat performance max from like really what you said, Fred. Like it's 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 about figuring out what's your business strategy and what do you have available in front of you. If if you don't have the competencies or time or resources, or if you've been burned by one agency after the other, performance max can be a great option. But if you have some competencies, if you have the resources to actually build out more in terms of account structure and stuff like that you can get more out of an account you can get more out of search by producing by by building out a setup but it should fit into your business strategy it, it, it's not a one-size-fit-all uh, it shouldn't always be tested uh, but it, it it works really well sometimes and sometimes it, it does it really depends what do you have internally uh to, to build it out and i always recommend early early advertisers just run performance max like if, yeah. just just get get some data in that's better than anything you can really ever do and then you can figure it out down the line okay but we'll get some smart people and savvy revenue has a few of those so that's always an option all right menachem what about you sure i, I think my closing thoughts would be that you know mirroring what, what andrew's saying is, is performance max is a great place to start it is a lot more complicated than it would seem if, if you don't have the right data input. So you just want to make sure you, you're able to set it up right and give it the right data feed, give it the right parameters to get you the success and it should be able to do it for you. Um, but yeah, take the time to set it up right and it, it should it should do well. And how do people get a hold of you? Sure, sure. you can find me in the same places. I'm on Twitter, I'm on LinkedIn, Menachem Ani. Um, always trying to share knowledge and everything we're doing. Um, there's a lot to learn. I feel like every day there's something new with Performance Max, so just try to share what we're learning along the way. And if people want to quote for getting some help, where do they go? Sure, just visit our website, jxtgroup.com. We're always happy to help. All right. Well, thank you both. Uh, thank you, everyone, for watching. If you've enjoyed the episode, we're going to have many more to come, so subscribe on our channel. And if you need some help with managing PPC, we have a great tool called Optimizer. we got a two-week free trial, so go ahead and uh, sign up for that, see what we can do, talk to our uh, amazing support staff like Andrew. I don't know if they're amazing, if you agree <laughs> with the advice they give. Oh, they're super um, good. I'm happy yeah. every time. Okay. 
Uh, no, we get really great marks, and we have a, a bunch of smart people there as well. So check it out. But thanks all for watching. Thanks for joining us to the panelists, and we'll see you for the next PPC panel.